Well, Kirk, we've been in here for a couple of hours already, and I still cannot get over it. I still, every time I look up, there's something new that I see. And I love what Lindsay said a minute ago, that yeah. everything is exactly the way that you would want it to be. Everything right. looks brand new and spectacular, but it's also not so much that you're not quite sure what to look at. You, there's the incredible video board, but your eyes are still drawn to the field. Everything just feels like it has been meticulously designed and executed perfectly. Yeah, as the amount of time that have spent trying to put this place together, you could just see it's a job well done, right? The more and more, just if you focus on something different, you're just yeah. like, wow, they, they really put their time and effort into that, right? And I'm just watching the different tiers in terms of the seating. And I'm like, there's not a bad seat in the house. You're looking at all the suites. And uh, from my vantage point, I'm looking right across and to think that that's ground level right uh -huh. there. We're, it's weird. We're about, we're about seven. You can see the cars players. in the parking yeah. lot. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. seven floors up. And so just to think about how far down in the ground the stadium is. And, you know, I've, you've been on some flights. I know I've been on flights coming into LAX, and you see the stadium. And you're just like, man, it looks pretty cool when you fly over it. But to actually be inside of it and, and really see it, man, it's uh, – it, you just don't know how massive it is until you get inside. Because over the overhead view, you look like, oh, it's pretty big. It's a nice side. But you get into it, you're like, whoa, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I go back to when, and this was, gosh, three years ago, I guess, when you and I came in. We put on our oh, hard, yeah, hats, hard hats. We put on our vests, <laughs> and we came through here. And the, the playing service we're looking at now, it was just dirt. And there was pipes and rebar and everything just laying around. It was a construction site. Right. And the beginnings of a construction site. And I know that we've seen the mock-ups, and we've seen the videos, and we've seen everything that, hey, this is what it's going to look like. But at least I don't, Kirk. I don't have that, that mind that can visualize things like that. I, I was very much, okay, let me just see it when it's done. And it surpassed everything I put it, could have possibly wanted it to be. Yeah. Yeah, it's everything. And the SoFi Stadium, it, just, it sounds right. Yep. You know, sometimes yeah, you get some sure. stadiums and you're like, what is that? You know, I, I think they've got it right. It, it's SoFi. It's, it's, yeah, it's not overbearing. Like, to me, um, it can never be anything different than Staples, right? Right. Like, I, I don't even go to Staples, but I just know Staples is <laughs> where the Lakers play. You're right. You can't change it. That's just the way that, that building is. And I think same with this, SoFi. Like, if I say SoFi, I'm not necessarily thinking about – you know what SoFi actually is. I just know that's the stadium. That's where the Rams that's play. That's where the players play. So, that's right. Um, I think that some kids don't even know the Staples is an actual office place, <laughs> you, you right? You go by pens and <laughs> yeah. copier paper. Absolutely. I just thought about that. I don't think a lot of people even know what Staples is. But <laughs> we know that's, you know, the place where the Lakers and, and the Clippers play at right now currently. But like, like, like Lindsay mentioned, you've said it, I've said it before, this place has all the bells and whistles. It's just right. And I think – for your stadium experience, it's what you want to make it here. Like, if you want it to go down and you want to be in the party section, hey, you, there's, it's a section right over there for you. Yep. If you want to be calm and cool and, and, and be in a section where it's quiet and you just kind of want to watch the game in a video board, you can do that. Or you can be in your seat. There's different levels and different, I think, just parts of this stadium that – it suits for what you want to be as a fan. Yeah, it, it's not going to happen nearly as, as soon as we all would have liked because of the pandemic that we're all going through right now. But I can't wait for the people in this city to get a look at this place. Yeah. You know, because we've had new buildings open up. The, the bank, where LAFC plays, yes. it's just a spectacular right. new yeah. building. And you look at some of the – Dodger Stadium's been around forever. Staples Center feels like it's been around forever. Mm -hmm. But this is just an entirely different animal. This is just so grand 
and I just can't wait for everybody. That, Rams fan or not, I mean, right. hopefully this place is filled with Rams fans Sunday after Sunday, but just to get to come and see this place is going to be a real treat for people that live in this area. I'm waiting for a concert too, man. I'm yeah. telling you, like, I'm thinking about this video board in the NFL, but I'm also thinking about when a concert comes here and to think you could be at your seat and you could look up at the board. You could, it's just... It's just it's nice, man. It's, it is. I it, can't even. It really is. It. So the scrimmage right now is wrapping up. It looks like they're done. We're going to try to get a player before uh, we're done here, coming up at four o'clock. But let's talk about some of the guys that just finished up right now. We watched some of the backup guys. We watched some of the guys. They're going to be competing for a spot on this team. We spent some time earlier in the program talking about Jared Goff, and this team will go as Jared Goff goes. Here's the one thing we know for sure. Through the early part of his career, Jared Goff has been very, very durable. I'm knocking on wood as I say it right now, so not to jinx it. But what we know is is that they do not have an established NFL guy in that number two spot. John Wofford is going to be their backup quarterback to start the season. He's had moments where he's looked pretty good in the preseason and otherwise, but what do you make of that? We know it's the most important position on the field, and if Jared Goff has to miss a game or two or whatever it might be, is John Wofford ready to step into that role? I think so. Um, I think with John Walford, he's a guy that Travis, to be honest, if he was 6'4", I think he'd have been drafted as a quarterback. I believe that. Um, I've watched him, um, covered him when he was at Wake Forest. Um, he ran that offense to perfection. And I was really surprised because, and I, you know, I had to measure him up a little bit. He, they list him at 6'1". I would say he's more about six foot, maybe a little bit uh, smaller. On the wrong that. side of six? Yeah. <laughs> right. But I do believe that if he was a bit taller, right, he, he would have the NFL-type measurables. So I think no matter what, people just kind of dismissed him. And he went to Wake Forest. Nobody's saying, like, oh, no, Wake Forest quarterback. Yeah. But I think the Rams saw something in him. And, you know, him being on the practice squad last year, and they were able to develop him a little bit. And he had to play Lamar Jackson. Now, I know he wasn't Lamar Jackson, but he actually, yeah. you know, did an admirable job. And I think that he gave the defense a lot of trouble during practice. And everybody's like, man, this kid's got something. And they, he's matured. He's understood, you know, what, you know, just kind of the player that he is. And then I think this training camp, he's really opened a ton of eyes, too, though, Travis, to where I think I know I feel a little more confident watching him at practice in the last couple scrimmages that if anything happens to Jared Goff, you need your backup quarterback to be able to create and make some plays. He's got some of that ability, you know what I mean, to Mm -hmm. get out of the pocket, make some plays, get on the run. If the offensive line breaks down, he could just make some things happen. So I like that number two aspect of it. But, you know, we got to scratch our head a little bit. Like Blake Bortles was the Rams backup a year ago. Blake Bortles is currently not in the NFL. Mm. He is not on an NFL roster. And so, look, we can knock on wood. We hope that nothing happens to Jared Goff. But if something was to ha- were to happen to Jared Goff and he misses an extended period of time, you know, could the Rams go out and sign a Blake Bortles, right, probably after week one where his, his contract's not guaranteed and bring him in to be the backup. So that's why I say that people are looking at what's out there right now. And I say that when I say the players out there right now are still under evaluation. There are certain guys who I don't need to, you know, bring in for a workout or bring in, you know, to see what they can do. I've got five, six years worth of tape. I know what he can do. I know I can bring Blake Bortles in in week one and he'll be my backup and I don't have to worry about it. But I do feel confident where the Rams do. They they have a Walford as the number two and Bryce Perkins is the number three quarterback. I think that he will possibly be an emergency backup if they need it uh, and a practice squad guy that they can hope to develop. 
You know, you mentioned Lamar Jackson there a minute ago, and I remember sitting next to you in the Coliseum and <laughs> watching him do his work and going, whoa, okay, I'd seen it on TV, but seeing it in person, you just say, okay, that's different. Just the, the speed that he brought to the game. And, you know, and, and he's a good quarterback, too. You know, right. oh, yeah. He's the MVP for a reason, just a spectacular year. But then there's that other dude in KC. There's the guy who, third year in the league last year, but the first year he didn't play very much at all. His first year as a starter, they were a a D Ford toe away from going to the Super Bowl. His next year, they win the Super Bowl. He puts up video game numbers. Is it still Patrick Mahomes and everybody else at that position in this league right now? No, I I think Patrick Mahomes is up there, right? I'm just a big Russell Wilson fan. So I got Russell right there, number one, Mahomes two, um, Lamar Jackson right there at three in terms of the quarterbacks. Um, I still want to see what TB12 has, right? We, it's mm. like we just overlooked the guy, Cam. Tom Brady. You're going to see what Cam looks like, yeah. you mentioned, in New England. Like, I see some older quarterbacks. I do want to see how they look. I want to see Matt Ryan again this year. I, I want to see Drew Brees. Maybe this is his last Aaron year. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, another year, you yep. know, with, with a little heat behind him with the drafting of Jordan Love in Green Bay. So, there are some quarterbacks who are younger or more exciting right now because they're still new, but it's always like it's almost like looking at Clayton Kershaw. You know what I'm saying? You look at some of those older pitchers that in Major League Baseball, you're like, hey, this dude's still pretty good too. And I know we got some of these guys are throwing hundred. I'll take Walker Bueller. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's something about the old crafty veterans, and you watch them operate, and and that, I'm still want to take a look at those guys because I do think the league is still in great hands with some of those quarterbacks that you mentioned. All right, Kirk, I want to get your thoughts on what we may see two weeks from tomorrow when the NFL season starts. Obviously, we've seen what's been going on in the NBA. We've seen what's going on in Major League Baseball and really professional sports across the board. What might we see the NFL do when we get to that first Sunday in a couple of weeks? That's coming up next on the Rams 2020 preview special on 710 ESPN. So there it is, Kirk. We're looking at the unbelievable video board right here in SoFi Stadium, and they've got the Rams logo right next to the Dallas Cowboy logo, the NBC Sunday Night Football logo right there, and they're getting ready for the kickoff two weeks from tomorrow, my friend. That's hard to imagine. Thanks for reminding me. That's a sweet picture i got to take now. It's not bad, right? That's not, that's not a bad picture, Travis. I'm glad you reminded me to take a picture. I'm going to open yeah. up my phone right now. But two weeks. Yeah, that's coming up in just a couple of weeks, isn't it? Yeah. Two weeks away from the NFL season. Uh, a little bit less than that because we do have September 10th is the uh, Kansas City Chiefs mm-hmm. taking on the Houston Texans. You were just mentioning uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, some of the young quarterbacks in the league. and um, It's kind of a segue, too, because when you think about what's going on in our country right now, yeah. and a lot of the younger athletes now having to use their voice, use their, uh, their stage, right? use their, you know, their platform, more so than any other time, right? I think the pandemic was one thing where we all know everybody's going through COVID-19 and things are not going to be the same. They're going to be different. But I think what we've seen, Travis, um, especially since uh, May um, with the, the death, the, the, the shooting, the murder, I mean, not the shooting, but the murder of uh, George Floyd um, in, in Minnesota is really kind of erupted some unrest in our country. And athletes have been at the forefront now because they do have a platform. They do have a voice. And now to listen and see uh, the NFL, Major League Baseball, especially the NBA, NHL, NASCAR, I think just major sports, people have always watched them for their entertainment, their joy. But now some of the players realize, like, look, I know you watch this, but I also I'm a human being. 
and I've got feelings, and I have some feelings about what's going on in our, in our country, and we've truly seen an awakening. And you hope for change. We all want for change. We're preaching for change. We want better understanding of what's going on. And I think you're on the road to that. We've seen people who donate money. We've seen some initiatives, new initiatives. We're trying to see that change. But then when you see what happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin last week, it just it kind of, you know, peels the takes the bandaid off of something that was starting to heal slowly. It wasn't all the way, but it was slowly. And to see what's going on with the NBA and them postponing games. I know the Lakers postponed their game um, the other day. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks were the first to start that day. And guys like Giannis Antetokounmpo and I think George Hill were the, the vocal leaders in, in Milwaukee or for Milwaukee that even though we are basketball players, our community is hurting. Our community in which we play basketball is hurting. And we don't know if we can go out and, and perform and play knowing that the people who don't have a voice or the people who are affected don't necessarily have the voice that we have to bring attention to a problem. And so I applaud a lot of the athletes who are stepping up, Travis, because it is difficult. You're actually stepping out for a lot of guys. It could be uncomfortable. Um, I know for me, if I was in a situation right now currently, it would be uncomfortable because my focus is solely on, hey, I got to make the team. I want to play. I want to do this. And now you realize that when you step out of the stadium, when you leave SoFi, for me, when I leave SoFi Stadium, the issues in my community are still the same. Right? Even though you're here, you're kind of guarded, you're in this, and you're like, okay, phew, my mind's not on it. But when you leave here, you realize that the reality is still out there. And so right now we're just at a time that we just hope that everybody's understanding and listening that in years prior, I don't think that we didn't have that same focus like we do right now. You know, I mentioned this the other day during the morning show, and I'm so optimistic mm-hmm. that we're hearing those voices. We're, he- right. we're seeing the NBA players do what they did. We're seeing Major League Baseball postpone some of their games. Because if you go back just five years ago, right. certainly if you go back 10 or 20 years ago, yeah. athletes very rarely, there, there are exceptions, obviously. Right. There are Jim Browns and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's and Arthur Ashe and, and Muhammad Ali. There, there are many, many people who have spoken out. But collectively, pretty quiet. Yeah. That, that, that athletes would go about performing their, their given sports. And, and I, I think you said it really well, that we've, we've hit a point where just the fatigue of this constant weight of awfulness that is out there, that, that is everywhere, that these players have to balance that they're given professions, their opportunities. If, you know, if you're LeBron James and you've won a bunch of championships and you're probably going to be involved in more moving forward, you can say, I'm not going to play tonight, and know that. But for a lot of these guys, this is their one shot. Right. This is their one chance to make and, and to say, you know what? I'm going to put my own opportunities on pause because this is more important than that, I think is remarkable. And that they're willing to do it, I think, is remarkable. Now, that brings us to this. The NBA has a culture. Yes. Has a commissioner. And, and has an ownership group, for the most part, that is very supportive to the causes that the players care about. Correct. The NFL culture is different. The NFL ownership group is different. And I, it's not necessarily worse, but it is different. It, it has a more conservative bent than, than the NBA, generally speaking. Right. The NBA ownership groups, the NBA commissioners, seem to be very supportive of the actions that were taking place 
earlier this week when the players decided to postpone the games. Now they're playing again. They started today. What do you think we're going to see a couple of Thursdays from now? What do you think we're going to see a couple of Sundays from now when the players do have an opportunity, whether it's taking a knee, whether it is voicing an opinion that may not be popular to everybody? The NFL has not really embraced that the way that some other leagues have. What are your expectations? I think it's uh, it's something collective, right? As, I, as I'm speaking right now on this SoFi Stadium video board, um, it says it takes all of us, right? That's mm-hmm. the, 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 the... In black and white. In black and white, and it shows, you know, hands, you know, held together, um, players, you know. And so when I say it takes... When it says it takes all of us, it does. It takes, I think, the entire NFL to figure something out. I think that's a storyline uh, going into the first game. Rams, Cowboys, not because of Stan Kroenke and the Rams, but because of Jerry Jones and the Cowboys. Sure. And how, you know, Jerry Jones is a guy who, um, you know, he's got a, a major voice within the National Football League. And a lot of people want to see how does his players, how will they go out and handle uh, the national anthem? Whether, or how do they, will they take a knee or not? How do they handle what's going on? That's a big storyline. Uh, going into that game for sure. So I, I look at Travis, the message that was um, the the video that was sent out for after George Floyd, mm-hmm. um, and it had the Patrick Mahomes and, and Lamar Jacksons and I think Jarvis Landry, some of the bigger name voices in the NFL, and it takes those guys to come out and talk about it, to put that out, and I think a lot of players are focusing their attentions on that. We've seen a lot of cancellations of practice. I think even today, uh, I believe, uh, I forget which team it was. I want to say maybe the Cincinnati Bengals, I believe. You know, they canceled practice and went up to to, to march a little bit, protests, um, and just give a message of equality. Because I think these coaches realize, too, that there's a lot weighing on a lot of players right now, Travis. It it really is. I mean, it is. um, there's a lot because when you think about being away from your families too. You know, some guys have been away from their families, have been away because of COVID and and they haven't had a chance to 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 be that voice for the people in their community. You know, here you are sometimes, hey, I'm just trying to do my job. I want to work and provide for my family, but yet I can't ignore what's going on back it, at it, home. It'd be right? impossible to ignore. It's hard and, to and, and, and that's why I thought it was Really interesting to see, and, and I, I don't know if there's a right answer or a wrong answer. I just don't know. But the idea of do you practice or not, Take, very quickly, Kirk, you, you tell me. If, if you are still an active player and you played a long time in this league and you know how important practice time is, you know how valuable it is to an NFL head coach, to all of these guys, to be a part of this, would you have been able to go out and practice last week? Oh, man. Um, you know, I, I can say this honestly. And I've had these discussions, Travis. I think as a younger player, yes, because I wouldn't have the understanding of what was going on, right? Because when you're a younger player, it's like I want to do the right thing and I want to just focus on football because I think that's what the people in the building want. But as you get older, and that's why you see a lot of the older players are talking now, and it helps out the younger players who may be a little lost, who may not understand that as you get older and you realize, like, okay, I know what we're protesting about. I know how I can make change or affect change. I know how, um, 
you know, just where I'm at in my career as well, because that's one of the bigger things that when Colin, Colin Kaepernick first started, a lot of guys were worried about their career, mm-hmm. that if I do go out and make this, you know, uh, well, for good reason. Yeah. yeah. And a lot, I've seen guys lose endorsements. I saw guys get cut. I mean, I know a friend of mine literally took a knee the next week on Monday. He was released friend of mine. And it was like, I'm like, wow. And now we look at where we're at now. And I just think that the NFL with Roger Goodell being able to come out and say, you know what, we have to do more for our players. And just that acknowledgement from the commissioner of your, of the NFL just tells you how far that we've come. And he understands before people didn't know why. And I think that what's going on 2020 people understand more so now than ever before, which is just a right step in the direct and it is a great step in the right direction. All right, we're going to go back to the field. We're going to talk about some of the things we saw today. We're going to talk about Todd Gurley. We've mentioned his name a few times and who steps into his role because those are some very big shoes to fill. Plus, I just saw something about two minutes ago that's one of the bravest things I've ever seen in my entire life. I'll tell you what it is next. That's coming up on the Rams 2020 preview show on 710 ESPN. Brand new is not a good enough description for this place. It's something much more than that. It is grand. It is beautiful. It is spectacular and stunning all at the same time. However, we do know that it is open air, and here's how I know for sure. As we were having our conversation last segment, a bug the size of a pterodactyl flew into our booth here that landed in front of my desk in the radio booth, and Kirk just very calmly gets out of his seat and walks over, picks the thing up, and flicks it out the window. So... I am very glad that you were here because I was getting ready to run out of here screaming. Uh, that was one of the bravest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Travis, it was just a big beetle, man. That's all. I was. don't care what it was. Uh, it was way too big to just be touching it. <laughs> Could have bit your hand off. Yeah, it was just a beetle, man. No, just pick that beetle up and get it out. Let it get back. See, that's what happened. This, this booth is just so immaculate. Man. It is. They wanted to come join us, man. It is. But if you kind of uh, look around and just how quiet it is now. It is now. It is now. I know that the scrimmage has ended. Um, and so now it comes, here comes the fun part, Travis, as we get a chance to watch how they will turn this from what looks like a Rams home game and flip it to a Chargers home game. Mm. Right. Cause I believe the Chargers will be practicing either here tonight or maybe tomorrow and how they'll flip the signage. And it's like, Oh, this is now, the Chargers. So it's, it's it's really interesting how they were able to do that as quickly as possible. But I'm just watching how they just cleaned up the sidelines that fast. Just that that fast. And it, you know, they had a full complement of players out there, coaching staff and every you know, all the auxiliary staff. Obviously, it's not what you would expect during a normal game day because of all the restrictions that are in place, but it really did go from feeling like there was a, a game type atmosphere to it's being pretty quiet all of a sudden. Um you know, you, you said something there that, that's really interesting to me. Obviously, the Chargers are going to share this place. Right. But this is the place that feels like the Rams' home. The yes. Rams played at the Coliseum for the last several seasons, and it was great to go to Rams games there. It was fun. It's an exciting atmosphere. The Coliseum is a venerated building. It's right. hosted a couple of Olympics. SC has been there forever. You know, UCLA was there. The Rams and the Raiders both played theirs a million years ago. But when they came back, that felt like a temporary place that they were playing, and because it was. Correct. This feels like the Rams' house. You know, the, we, I know that we hear Sam's, you know, whose house? Rams' house. And that's been the rally cry for this team since they came back. But for the first time, they have a house, and it is the most unbelievable house I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I, this is the Rams' house. I, I'm not even going to lie about that. You walk in, it does feel like 
um, just a Rams stadium. And I know they're going to share it and all that good stuff, but when you just kind of driving up, it just feels like this is just the Rams and the Chargers happen to play here from time to time. I was telling someone that this is the first like just stadium built in Southern California, Southern California for just football only. Like every stadium that has been built has been for baseball or it was been mixed use, right? Mm-hmm. Remember the Big A, it was a sure. mixed use because that's where the Rams played at before, but it was also the Angels. Even down in San Diego, it was the, the Jack Murphy Stadium, sure. but Chargers it was mixed use. It was Chargers and Padres, right? And there was in the LA Coliseum was was it was a track stadium, right? It was built for the Olympics. This is the crown jewel of Southern California, right? Football, like once you get past Bakersfield or you know know, Fresno and all that, once you get down here, this is it, right? Because San Francisco, they have their stadium. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not in San Francisco, but in Santa Clara, but it's it's Levi Stadium. So that's football only. This here is for football only. It's built for football. They'll have other events. I get it. But this is football. So I, I feel like living down here in Southern California, um, you know, since I went to start at college, Travis, I feel like a sense of pride about Absolutely. You know, it's so <laughs> funny you say that, Kirk. I was just going to say that, yeah. you know, like when you move into a new place, right. a new apartment, new house, whatever it is, you're excited to have your friends over. Absolutely. You want to show, yeah. hey, look, this is where you know where I'm living now. Or you buy a new car or right. whatever it might oh, be. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you got a new, it's cool. It's kind of show, oh, yeah, it's got this bell and whistle. It does this, it does that. And you're kind of excited. I feel like that about this place, and I've no, I've done nothing other than walk in. <laughs> right. I've done nothing other than walk in here pride, man. And, and get to sit here and talk about football for a few hours with you. But I I, I want to get all my friends and all my family and say, you guys got to come see this place. Yeah. You have to come and sit in this place and see it for yourself because I've taken a million pictures and I'm going to send them to my friends. I've posted some on Twitter, but I want everybody to get to experience what you and I have got to experience today. Because you can't describe what it is you're looking at. You say, oh, it's a brand new football stadium. You kind of get an idea. You say, oh, it's outdoor, but it's indoor. You kind of get an idea. But until you put all those pieces together and then you add in this scoreboard, it's indescribable. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure it all out because it's you, know, you see these big giant pillars you know, the, in opposite end zones, mm-hmm. right? And you know, basically when you look out, you're looking at it, Los Angeles, right? You're still looking at it. And... It, it, you're not just in a situation in which you're enclosed. It's still it's you got a nice little breeze coming through here a little bit, but you feel as if you're outside, knowing that you're covered. So you don't have to worry about rainouts. You don't have to worry about weather. Everything is all climate controlled, and it just feels like like this is ours. You know, it's like yeah. man, just being around here is like this is this ain't going nowhere. It's something else. It is. And you know, you really know what makes it even funnier when you drive in. Is that you look to your left and you see the little tiny form? <laughs> so, as somebody, <laughs> and who, you look to the right, you're like, "Whoa!" <laughs> as somebody who grew up not far from here, I, right. I grew up in Arcadia, right? Um, and so we would come down here and come to Laker games. So we would come down here and come to some Kings games occasionally. Mm-hmm. And when you would get off at Manchester and you'd start working your way into the Forum, and when you saw the Forum, you're like, "Oh, there it is, the Great Western, there it forum, is, the Great man. Western Forum." You're going to go see the Lakers. You're going to go see the Kings, and it felt huge, right? It looks like a little toy sitting next to it <laughs> it does it just it just it, weird. it looks like this little oh isn't that cute like oh you know it feels like something from a million yeah. lifetimes ago and it wasn't that long ago magic and kareem doing their thing wow. Wayne gretzky over there doing his thing <laughs> marcel dion and rogi vashon doing their thing and it just looks like this little relic from a million years ago i so i guess i wasn't the only one then yeah you're, no you're, you're driving in and i'm like you look to your left and you're like wow that's the form <laughs> and then you look to your right and like 
uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just, I just can't believe that you know what was once considered one of the, the great venue. I mean, it's still a great venue to go to concerts and things yeah. like that. But to think that that was like the crown jewel of Los Angeles. People are going there in Hollywood Bowl, and now you have Magic, this. Man. You know, it's just it's just it just shows you where to where technology is first of all, but just shows you the advancement and how big these stadiums are around the country. Yeah, it it really is something. I know that because we're in the middle of a pandemic, that it's going to be a minute before anybody gets a chance to come in here. But when you do get your chance, please make sure that you yes. carve out some time to come and see it because it's going to be something that you're going to remember for a very long time. Todd Gurley is in Atlanta, Kirk. Todd Gurley. Uh, did not have a good year last year. We were trying to figure out, is he hurt? Is it just not working? What, what's going on exactly? And I guess we're never going to exactly know what it was. I mean, it's just because who knows that there were times where he looked great and there were times it looked like, oh, there's no way. He just does not look like himself. He's gone. He's going to be very difficult to replace because he's a great football player. The Rams have Daryl Henderson from a year ago. They just drafted Cam Akers. We know that Malcolm Brown has been here for a minute. Are we going to see all three of these guys, assuming that Henderson gets healthy, are we going to see a regular rotation of all three of those guys? Do you think somebody's going to establish themselves as the guy? No, we're going to see all three. And I think that's something that I was kind of doing my research this offseason. And I looked, and Sean McVay spoke about it a little bit briefly because he looked at what San Francisco, the 49ers, who went to the Super Bowl and what they were able to do. Their starter in the Super Bowl was their fourth-string running back, Raheem Mostert. Right. He was fourth on their depth chart you know, to start training camp. It was Tevin Coleman was number one. Jarek McKinnon was two. Breida. Matt Breida was yeah. three. And Raheem Mostert was four. And then they had a guy behind him named Jeff Wilson, who was five. And they went to the Super Bowl with their top, with their, their bottom four and five were the top two running backs they used in the Super Bowl. So I think, you know, Sean McVay, this is a copycat league. He sees that. And when you look around the NFL, because the Patriots, the team they played against, they employ four backs. They don't just have one guy. I've had a million guys yeah. go through New England. I think he starts to see that. I look. You know, we loaded up on Ty Gurley, and what we did, we may have ran him down. You know, injuries have caught up to him, and it happened quickly. And now you've got three different guys. You can divvy up the carries. You don't have to load everybody up on one. I would believe that all three of them will have their equal opportunity, but I think to start this thing off, it'll be the most experienced guy of them all, and that'll be Malcolm Brown. You mentioned head coach Sean McVay's name there a minute ago. This could be the season that he's experiencing something that he has never had to experience as a head coach up until this point. That's next on the Rams 2020 preview special on 710 ESPN. All right, don't forget game five of the first round of the Western Conference playoffs, the Lakers and the Blazers. An opportunity for the Lakers to close out their first round series. MT and Sleewell will have the pregame show. That's coming up for you in about 15 minutes from right now, so make sure you stay They better win. They'll win. Ain't no Dane Lillard. Lillard's Lillard back in Portland getting his his knee looked at. Okay, real quick, a little five (laughs) seconds of Lakers. Go ahead, got you. The Lakers should have swept this series. If they could have made even a shot or two in game one, this thing's already over. Right. They've, they've absolutely tuned them up in the next three games. It, was, it hasn't yeah. been close. They, they needed that first game to realize that it's real. It, right. It, this is the playoffs, and you gotta, you got to bring it every single night. And especially, you know, we're talking about it like here at the stadium. Yeah. How the Rams are going to have to figure it out game one, and they got to figure it out right away because it's going to be a different energy. 
right? There is no fans. So whatever you draw from to get you going for a game, you better find it. Well, think about it. Portland went into the bubble outside of the playoff line, and they had to go in there and hit the ground. Right. They had to win to start. The Lakers hadn't played a meaningful game since they beat the Clippers back Correct. in March. That's what I'm saying. Portland found that energy, though. Yeah, absolutely. Because they played playoff basketball the last, what, eight games of the season on which they were trying to get in, and they played that, you know, that, that play-in game, which they really drew from that. The Lakers didn't do that. And so if the Rams are watching that, they better look at what's going on with the Lakers and say that, we can't start that way, right? We got to start from game number one. We have to bring and find an energy. We have to find something because the Cowboys, they're going to come in and try to ruin our parade. They're going to oh, ruin for our sure. party. They, oh, that's what they sure. want to. Absolutely. And, and that kind of brings us to what we were talking about uh, at the end of the last segment. I think this is the first time that since Sean McVay has been the head coach of this team that we're coming into a season with a, okay, let, let's see it again. Yeah. Because when he got the job the first time, it was new guy, let's see what he's got. Right. And he comes in and the Rams and it took about four or five games, and you're like, Ooh, we're on to something here. This this looks different, especially on the heels of watching what Jeff Fisher brought to the table <laughs> offensively. I don't mean that as a slight to Jeff Fisher, who was universally well liked. But yes. the, the the offensive football was really uninspired. Right. It was very boring and it just didn't then all of a sudden Sean McVay pop and they win the division. Yeah. And they go to the playoffs. They lose to Atlanta. Come back the next season with expect. Oh, can you do it again? Not only do they do it again, they go to the Super Bowl. And then last year they had that backup. They finished nine and seven, which is not uncommon for a team that goes to the Super Bowl the next year to come back a little bit less than the year before. Right. Well, now both coordinators, well, three coordinators, including the special teams coordinator, he's gone. You've got your star running back is gone. A handful of defensive players have gone on to other teams. And this is the okay, because you've heard it. He, I'm sure Sean McVay has heard it. I'm sure he has an answer for it. Is Has the league figured him out? Does he have a second pitch? How does he adjust to the adjustments? That's new for Sean McVay as the head coach of the Rams. Yeah, I think a lot of people you know, knew of you know, what Sean McVay had going to a point where they were plucking guys from his staff, right? Mm-hmm. His early staff has two members who are now head coaches in the league, and Matt LaFleur in Green Bay and Zach Taylor in Cincinnati. So people were saying, remember, if you were just shook hands with Sean McVay, you were automatically going to get a head coaching job in the NFL. Cliff or- Kingsbury got one because he kind of looks like it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I think now you want to see Sean and this team take uh, another step. Because I think that the way they've retooled and rebuilt this roster now, this seems to be something that they can hopefully have and maintain some success, right? Because everyone's going to look at Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. They both took on the job at the same time, right? Whereas Shanahan in San Francisco went through some horrible years, the first two, and then year three looked better, and then boom, come year four, they take the trip to the Super Bowl. Where the Rams and Sean McVay, they go to a Super Bowl after year two, and then they kind of been reeling last year, and we'll see what this year is. So both of these coaches, to me, are have a similar parallel in terms of the where their career path is going. They both have been runner-ups in the Super Bowl, but you want to see, hey, is it for real? So I look at Kyle Shanahan, same thing as, him, as, as Sean McVay. Can you guys do it again? Can you get back to a Super Bowl? Can you, can you win a division again? Right, the Rams have won the division twice, mm-hmm. right? And and Kyle Shanahan has run one once, and people are talking about Shanahan as a better play caller than McVay, and this and that. So, to me, I think it's a lot for Sean McVay, and I think that's the reason why he brought in an offensive coordinator, though Travis, just because for that reason. Well, look, 
we all would love to have a run like the Patriots have been on for the last 20 years. <laughs> You'd all love to yeah. have the next Bill Belichick and a guy who just Look. is he, – I, I don't I, I can't tell you exactly what – but he obviously has something that works in this league that no one else has quite figured out yet. But, I think, but he's on notice too, though, Travis. He, he is because yeah. Brady left. And Brady we'll left. see. Yeah. But, but I, I think if anybody's looking at it objectively, they both benefited from each other. Correct. The, the, the Bill, right. Bill Belichick had as much to do with it as Tom Brady and vice versa. Right. The, the, they're, all, they're almost inextricable from one another. But this is far more typical, where you get a new coach, he implements a new system, you hopefully, if you've got the right guy, the team gets better and has success, and then this is what happens. You have to pay guys. You have to make decisions on personnel. Your coaches will get hired away to go to other places, and it takes a minute. Look, look if, if last year was the bad year, <laughs> and they were 9-7 and seven and went into the final week of the season hoping to mo- earn a playoff spot, that's about as good as you can hope for in the NFL. You go from playoff team to Super Bowl appearance to, air quotes here, bad year at 9-7 and seven and then start rebuilding again, that's really the best that you can hope for because the Bill Belichick Patriot model, the Bill Walsh San Francisco 49ers model, the model that the Steelers had in the 1970s, it just doesn't really exist anymore outside of New England. No, it doesn't. And it, it takes you having a quarterback and – um, a guy who's buying into the system, the culture. Um, and we know that for years Tom Brady took a lot less money and he was able to build a roster around him. Now people said in the, his later years they didn't do enough of that. Mm-hmm. But like you mentioned, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick were great for each other. And I think with Sean McVay and Jared Goff, how will they maintain their relationship, right? Because so, as much as we look at Sean McVay and what he can do as a coach – I think we do want to look at Jared Goff now in the second year of his contract extension of can he bring some of the numbers that he had in that year for this they went to the Super Bowl or the year prior or the first year under Sean McVay. So there's a lot of pressure on both of these guys, McVay and Goff, because I feel like they're almost married to sure. each other. Only I know that Goff was drafted by Fisher, but it's still when they gave him the contract extension, Jared Goff, that was kind of their solidification. Like that, that was the validity that you needed. Okay, they're they're now together. They're like this, and so each other's success is going to be really about how each other performs. Well, I go back to I remember when you and I and Amanda, I think you were there too, when we went up to Thousand Oaks. And remember, with Sean McVay had just been hired, yes, and we sat in the room and he kind of went through some film, like just general ideas <laughs> of what he wanted to get done. Right. And we were able to ask some questions, and, and, and I forget who asked the question, but you know, what, what do you see in Jared Goff that you really like? What, what are you excited about seeing him? And again, at this point, he really hadn't worked with him at all. Correct. And he went through some film and showed some throws, and a couple against New Orleans that first year. Remember, that was a game where the Rams got their you-know-what's kick. They got, they got up pretty trashed, bad. <laughs> absolutely tuned up in that game. And, he's, and he's, here's this throw, and here's that throw, and I like this because of this reason, and here's an, here's a play that I was running in Washington. I think, and I remember looking at you, going, "Is this is this normal?" And, you're, right. and you said, "No, this 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 is different. The way that he's breaking this down is different." And you could tell even before they'd had a single game together that he believed in him, right. that, that he had a feel for him, that this was a guy that he was going to go with. Because when they made the hire initially, it's, oh, he's going to go get Kirk Cousins in a couple of years. Yeah, you're right. Well, no, no, he's not. He's going to go make Jared Goff a guy that can take this team to the Super Bowl, which they've already done. So I, I completely agree with you that this is not just him and him. It's the two of them together. This is right. either going to work or not together. Right. Yeah, and I think also, too, we, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but this is also Jared Goff's year there this is his team when they lead the, you know this team comes out of the tunnel it's number 16 mm-hmm. right it's the quarterback 
where I think before it was Ty Gurley and the Rams and or Aaron Donald and the Rams. And no, it, this is this is now Jared Goff's team, and his performance is going to be the reason why these Rams are successful or going to the playoffs or why they are missing the playoffs or you know why they will be successful or not successful. Well, two weeks from tomorrow, we're going to get the opening day of the first, I should say, the opening Sunday of the NFL season. We'll have that Thursday night game. There's going to be a game right here at the unbelievably beautiful new SoFi Stadium. The Dallas Cowboys will be in town. The Rams will be hosting the first Sunday night football game of the season. You and I will be on the pregame. Maurice Jones-Drew will be doing the color. JB will be doing the play-by-play. DeMarco's going to be down on the sidelines, and I can't wait for it to get here soon enough. It is football season for the first time in a long time, Kirk. It has felt like it. It's been great to see you. Hopefully, all of you will get a chance to watch it on television, hear it right here on the radio as well. Laker pregame show is coming up next. Alan Sliwa and MT. Go Lakers, go Rams, and I'll see you on Monday morning.